0: Monitor, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity.
1: I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman!
0: Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've taught me to do. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 70, and I say this a lot, I, I... And it never really works out that way, but I really think it's going to be the case this week. This is probably going to be a shorter-than-usual show, um, because here's the reasoning behind it. Normally, I don't get too inside baseball about how we put this show together. Normally, we talk during the week about what we think the show is going to be about, uh, as stuff comes up in the news, or we know particular movies or books are coming out. We just sort of get a general sense of, okay, this is overall... Where do you think it's going? Yeah, just sort of the general subject, not even an outline form. And then usually on Sundays, I spend most of the morning sitting and reading through the books and putting together outlines of how we're going to put the show together. Long story short, it takes a lot of work to make a show sound (laughs) shitty.
2: (laughs) Uh, You're selling yourself short, sweetie. Yeah. (laughs)
0: So we had some general ideas about this, and yesterday I was about three hours into a session of Watch Dogs on the Xbox, and that's when Amanda said, oh, by the way, my mom's getting here at noon. Why the fuck is your mom coming here? Well, because it's Mother's Day. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ, I completely (laughs) forgot about this. So,
2: Well, no, Rob, she's moving in, and uh, she's going to need this room.
0: (laughs) And I need a speedy Gonzalez sound effect, because <laughs> that's how fast my fat ass would be out of this house. I like your mom, you like my mom, neither one of us want to see them every fucking yeah, day yeah the The day will come where where decisions need to be made, and I will put a piece of paper in front of my mom and say, "I want you to not read this, sign it, and don't fucking date it." Jesus, and I will put her in the nicest home that I can afford, but Believe me, my mom doesn't want to go through her golden years with my retarded ass, drunk, wandering around the house, (laughs) screaming about Batman. She she sacrificed too much to have to put up with that kind of shit. So, yeah, everything I was going to do to plan the show was completely derailed. I wound up having about an hour and a half today to try to figure out what we were going to put together. And even within that time, my folks are down in Florida. I had to call my mom. To, to wish her Mother's Day because mm-hmm. I, you know, Happy Mother's Day because I hadn't sent her anything because I'm stupid. And the purpose of the call was just, Mom, I love you. Thank you for everything. Happy Mother's Day. And instead, within five minutes, said, listen, uh, can you, we have nothing but static on our smart TV. Can you help us diagnose <laughs> what happened with it? And it's, we can't be the only members of Generation X who have had to do blind fucking tech support tech support over the fucking <laughs> phone okay what do you see on the screen it's the tv it's completely broken well how do you know that well cuz all i see are the icons for netflix and the icon for this well then your tv's not completely broken mom it's uh, you've got static in a window that's the cable window okay can you can you make that the entire screen well how do i do that i don't know how do you do it when there's tv on it do the same fucking thing to it <laughs> Literally over an hour of, okay, well, uh, tell me what's on your remote. Literally, read me the buttons on your remote. I don't know what's on your remote. Take a picture of your remote and send it to me. Well, how do I do that? Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) It was more than an hour of... Oh, I'm sorry. I I didn't know how this machine worked. (laughs) (laughs) She finally got a picture of the remote to me. I'm like, there, that's the input button. Press that. Tell me what it says, HDMI 3. Great, keep going. That's all she had to do. Somehow she got it off HDMI 1, and she had to get it back there. But I'm saying press the input button, even though the button is labeled input. God knows what button she was pressing on this fucking thing. And I'm thinking, i got a goddamn show i got to put together. I can't tell her that, because she doesn't know this show exists. I don't want her finding this fucking thing. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, yeah, we had just enough time to to put some stuff together, and then Amanda's mom was here, and then she left. She
2: showed up 20 minutes early, threw my whole whole thing off.
0: Yeah, showering. I would have liked to have done that today. That would have been an excellent thing for me to do. So, yeah, and then we had another hour and a half uh, afterwards where I was able to put stuff together. So, just out of the gate, this is going to be a truncated show. We're only going to talk about one book instead of two, and, and we've got one subject for the week. So...
2: But I made duck fat tortillas, so the day is not a complete loss.
0: No, absolutely. <laughs> when my heart stops in about an hour or so, we'll call it a big day.
2: Yeah, so, you and me both.
0: I mean, it was it was an excellent lunch, <laughs> and it was
2: delightful. To... How, how many other daughters make Peking duck bar for their mother for Mother's Day? I am awesome.
0: Yes, you you absolutely are. <laughs> you are a terrific daughter, and and, and you're a wonderful girlfriend. And next time, just every day of the week, hammer into my head that your mom is fucking coming on Sunday. So I, I, can, I will do that. So I can plan better. Okay. It's my own goddamn fault, but that's how it is. All right. So is anybody coming
2: next weekend? Not that I'm aware of. Do I of. need to be aware of it right now? I'm, I think we're good. Okay. All right.
0: All right. So the main thing we wanted to talk about uh, this week, well, the main thing we're, we're at least going to talk about this week is... Convergence uh, from D.C., uh, everything is now going into the first of Issue 2. Yes. So it was a two-month deal that they put together initially to sort of hide that they're moving to Burbank. So they just wanted this plan together so they could move without writers and creators having a fucking phone that they could call to ask what's going on. (laughs) It has since become this thing they're going to use to form a soft reboot to bring some new books out. So there's been a lot of questioning as to what the DC universe is going to look like after Convergence. And all we've really had up until this point is a few things that came out of panels, which we certainly covered in our C2E2 shows and solicitations, but nothing concrete as to what those books were going to look like. As of these first number two issues, at the back of every issue, DC has put in a four, five, six-page preview of a different book that's going to be coming out after Convergence. Yeah. Most of the ones they've given previews of at least this week are new books. There were one or two existing books but it's a first real concrete here's what we're going to be seeing when Convergence comes out. This so. Is,
2: yeah. And and some of them look really interesting.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, some have some real balls to them. Uh, some. Some. I can say. I just
2: look at them and shake my head.
0: Yes. I <laughs> say, this is a book I will buy one of. <laughs> Or at the very least, flip through it in the comic store, and that may be about it. Yeah. It's it's great that DC has made a commitment to widening their audience and having more books for more people. The reality is, as a middle-aged white dude from the East Coast, that means some of those books are not going to be for me, and that's okay. But
2: (laughs) That's that's fine.
0: At least now I sort of know ahead of time, (laughs) and we'll certainly talk about one or two of them uh, in this. Now... We are freaks since we have a comic book podcast. we I told the owner of our local comic store, give me every Convergence book. Just give them all to me. I did the same thing with Secret Wars. I'm going to be bankrupt by July. <laughs> it's just the way it is, but we have to have these books so that we can
2: talk about them, even though we only talk about a few books a week. So You can't be bankrupt. How are we going to finance Tortilla Press 3000?
0: <laughs> it's a giant piece of iron it is we're, we're not talking about i can
2: use it to make tortillas and it's also effective in enhanced interrogation
0: we're not talking about quantum mechanics though it's a lever <laughs> oh i'm sorry i i didn't know how this machine works. it works for everybody <laughs> i know where the input button is on the tortilla press yes what the fuck are you talking about there's a button no Jesus God! There's a lever. It's a U. It's a USB mini tortilla press. It weighs it's On Bluetooth, It's 78 pounds.
2: This one's. This is heavy. It must weigh at least 10 pounds. It,
0: it'll connect to your phone and destroy it, but it'll connect to it. <laughs> hey, that's fine. God knows I buy enough electronic toys. Uh, those were great tortillas today. They were excellent. I will take tortillas if it means I now have to find a place to store this fucking monstrosity. <laughs> that that I know the minute I say something wrong ever, the first thing in your mind is going to be that goddamn tortilla press. I have to live in fear now. Are you
2: happy? The, the twi-
0: there, there were great tortillas. I'll be sleeping in the car.
2: The tortilla press will save us in the zombie apocalypse.
0: No, it fucking won't. It will. <laughs> it, please. It st- we'll make
2: heads go squish.
0: Stand still, walking dead. <laughs> Actually, Walking Dead, if you could come into the kitchen, because I can't lift this motherfucker, <laughs> if you could just gently place your face upon you the cold iron. your face
2: into the cold iron. Yeah.
0: No. <laughs> this this thing will help us do nothing except get hardening <laughs> of the arteries from duck fat tortillas. <laughs> the only thing you can really say about that is, is duck fat worse than the lard in regular artisan tortillas? I don't know.
2: Yeah, I should go down the street and buy some lard and find out. <laughs>
0: Does anybody need a roommate? <laughs> uh, I demand that you have a defibrillator because clearly I'm going to fucking need it. But
2: shortening is for losers. <laughs> yeah,
0: there's a generation of people who died early thinking, <laughs> yeah, I'm a loser. <laughs> this is a comic book show. It is. It is. Tell so us about the book. Let's books, talk Rob. about the comic book show. So, uh, yeah, I didn't count them. What were there, like 10 books this week? Uh, at least. And so that's 10 previews. And if you didn't get the books, that's where I was starting out with. I'm a freak because I told them, give them all to us so that we can review them. But if you didn't get all the books, uh, you can get all these previews online. And I'll put the URL in the show notes. Please remind me to put the URL in the show notes. So you can see what the hell we're talking about, even if you didn't pick up all these things. So I'm going to start going through these just so we can discuss them in no particular order. It's literally... The order the stack was in when I started frantically putting together notes after I hung up the phone on my mom, finished grinding my teeth and shivering with rage, and uh, managed to actually get some shit done before your mom showed up 20 minutes early. So I'm going to start off with uh, Doomed. Do you remember the Doomed one? I do. Uh, Written by Scott Lobdell, uh, art by uh, Javi... I may not be pronouncing that correctly. Javi Fernandez. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Anyway, this is the one that was in the back of Superman, uh, Convergence Superman number two, if you picked it up and haven't checked it out yet. Uh, the nuts and bolts of it, uh, Riser. I think that's the, the character's name. I don't think we really got a concrete.
2: Yeah. All I know is he struck out with somebody named Jane.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's unfuckable, apparently. Uh, we've learned that very quickly. <laughs> But uh, he's been infected with the doomsday spore, and he's trying to use it to be a superhero. The problem with that being, he's fucking doomsday.
2: Yeah, and apparently the, every time he changes into doomsday, the longer and harder it is for him to turn back normal.
0: Longer and harder, you say? <laughs> it's a Scott Lobdell book, I can see that.
2: And yet he strikes out with Jane.
0: Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> girth might be a problem. I either. guess,
2: and growling. <laughs>
0: Well, growling's a problem. <laughs> no wonder I never got laid in high school. But so, yeah, that is a problem. No, he he can't talk. And he doesn't even know what powers that he has. And given the ones that he does know that he has were, we're designed to kill fucking Superman, it's kind right. of a problem. <laughs> so yeah, when he faces the Alpha Centurion and the Metropolis Cops, things don't necessarily go quite as well as he would hope. a young new superhero would hope. So any and, we, and we meet his roommate. We do meet his roommate. So any overall impressions of the book before um, I explain exactly what Scott Lobdell's trying to do.
2: I, I thought it was an interesting premise. I I don't I don't know that I would i I'll, I'll read the first one, but I'm not sure that this is a book that's targeted for me.
0: Well it probably is because I mean, not specifically for you in that DC's looking to hit particular demographics, but this is Spider-Man. This is Scott Lobdell trying to write Spider-Man. You've got a hero who's got powers that he didn't ask for, he doesn't necessarily want. He's trying to do the right thing, but everybody thinks he's a menace. He's got almost no friends. Oh my god. He's got a fucking elderly aunt, for Christ's sake. That's right.
2: There's an Aunt Bell that did, that did stand, stand out. Yeah.
0: You can yeah. almost hear Lobdell going, you know, I always wanted to write Spider-Man. Nobody <laughs> ever let me write Spider-Man. Now I'm at DC. I can't have Spider-Man. But by God, I'm going to write fucking Spider-Man for DC. And if you try to stop me, I'm going to tweet those pictures. I got those pictures, Bob. I don't know what that is you were rolling around with, but I'm going to put them out.
2: So the writer of Doom wants to write Spider-Man, whereas Spider-Man's writer wants to write Doctor Who. Right. Okay. <laughs> Just, I just wanted to make sure I was clear on things.
0: Well, it's it's like anything else. Anything it can be the best job in the world. Anything that you have to do every day eventually starts to suck. That's <laughs> just the rule of it. I, I've had jobs, I've had radio jobs that people would kill for. If you've never had a backstage pass to a massive rock concert, I highly recommend it. After a couple of years, I'm like, oh shit, I gotta wake up and go do this thing again. That just, if you have to do it every day, it sucks. You just want to suck the joy out of
2: everything. Yes, I do. (laughs) So you're saying the best way to not want to drink whiskey anymore is to get a job where I have to drink whiskey every day?
0: Yeah, you'll immediately switch to like Mad Dog 2020 or some some horrible fruity... Cirrhosis? Chick (laughs) schnapps. So, yeah, make whiskey your job. You'll never want to drink it again.
2: I'm... I, I don't know how I feel about <laughs> There's that. There's sadness on your face. There I is. Don't, I don't mean to,
0: to make that happen. I don't know. I didn't want to get on this tangent, but...
2: I love you, whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> don't
0: worry. We'll re- reunite you probably in the next 45 minutes.
2: I All right. The one thing I, I that I took away and it has me mildly interested in reading the book is um this doomed character and his roommate uh, were casting shadows on the wall, and his clearly looked like his doomed character. Right. The his roommate also had a funky look to it that looked kind of spiky.
0: The oh, a, a college roommate who's also a supervillain. Yeah, Spider Man never did that. This is this is Love I know, Del's but Spider-Man. I was like, all
2: right, so is he infected with the spore too? Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, and and that was an interesting little tease. It, it might be enough for me to take a look at it now on the the subject of of the roommate.
2: Yes. It's, this His is, job is to be fabulous, by the way. Uh,
0: yes. Well, it, clearly Lobdell is trying to make this a multicultural book, and on paper that is a good thing. There needs to be more of that. There should be a book for everyone. The problem that I have, and I've seen this in other books, when writers start to stack them up, it feels like they're checking off a list. Yeah, so it's okay. We've got a, a black hero, great, and now we've got a gay roommate. Okay, and it just it it feels forced to me. I don't I don't know why that is.
2: Well, I, the problem is that we're only reading a bit of a preview.
0: <laughs> that is also true.
2: So, the best you can hope for is that character stories are character driven, and that reasons for characters and characterizations are are developed organically and it's hard to know that when you only have four ish pages
0: yeah that's that's true yeah with with a limited amount of space it it did feel to me like okay yep we're checking the boxes particularly since this is a scott Lobdell book yeah and when when you think cultural sensitivity his is not the first name that pops up
2: no, but he will he will cheerfully re- redirect you back to what he did with North Star Lake all day long. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, and
0: hey, that was that was a big deal at the time. Yeah. It was 20 years ago. So
2: <laughs> So I, I think the jury will be out until we actually can get a hold of of issue 1.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. I I don't want to prejudge it and I'm more concerned about oh my god, this is Spider-Man all over it. But and and it's <laughs> Both DC and Marvel have tried to recreate that lightning in a bottle mm-hmm. a dozen times over from Firestorm to Nova to Night Thrasher. And this may fare no better, particularly since it seems even just in a few pages, so many parallels. It just screams off the page, but, but I like Spider-Man. <laughs> I'll give it a try. <laughs> yeah. I also like Nova and Firestorm, so okay. A noble attempt to create another Spider-Man type hero?
2: Well, the one thing I... I mean, again, only four pages to go by. Right. Um, What on earth is going on in the world that a Doomsday character shows up and isn't immediately followed with S- Superman smacking him into outer space? Well
0: superman was infected with a doomsday spore for a while there it would be really easy to say oh there's a question of secondary contagion he doesn't want to get that again he's superman it, it got him the first time
2: so what he's superman <laughs> it's his fucking job well <laughs> doomsday fucking killed him <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> it's his it's his job <laughs>
0: We also know from Divergence, the Free Comic Book Day that uh, Free Comic Book Day from DC, yes, that Clark Kent has been in hiding for quite a while because Lois Lane has revealed his identity, and he's coming the back beach. on very. Uh, yeah, people have been screaming betrayal on the internet, which I can totally see, and yeah. it, it might be smart for them to use Convergence to sort of repair the the Clark Kent Lois Lane relationship. Since the New Fifty Two has been utterly fucked.
2: I cannot super today. I has to <laughs> <laughs>
0: write that one down that's got possibilities <laughs> but but yeah that relationship has been screwed up uh, right from the beginning of the new 52 and particularly in that issue of superman that this preview was in we got a nice flashback to the crisis uh, post-crisis superman still in a relationship with lois uh had a kid with her so it's like uh, yeah i'm kind of nostalgic for for that can we repair that relationship would be nice Uh, probably not because this all happens (laughs) after convergence i don't know how you repair it after that but what the hell maybe superboy prime is off punching a (laughs) punching the walls of space time someplace all right want to move on to the next one yes next one on my list another scott lobdell book uh red hood and arsenal uh art by this by dennis medry this was in the back of the titans number two yes so Red Hood and Arsenal go undercover to infiltrate a Cobra cell. And purely by coincidence, uh, that's the day Cobra's planning to uh, launch a giant robot underneath Metropolis. Or uh, Manhattan, actually. Yes. Uh, to kill five, six million people.
2: Because they have the good luck.
0: Yes. And uh, for once, Arsenal has a plan that will enable them to stop the menace without having to kill any kill everyone.
2: Yes, they're going to turn off the air conditioning.
0: Yes. And it actually works. <laughs> And they still get to kill everybody. It works for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Look, this is a bro comic. It is. It, it's a couple of unstoppable badasses bantering back and forth with good lines and killing everybody in sight. This, this Shitty could, hair. Yeah, this could come directly <laughs> from the 90s. Yeah. yeah. Down to everybody's got armored costumes and fucking Red Hood's got a Batman cut-off hoodie like Scarlet Spider, Today's it looks like. Today's a good like. day
2: to kill people, bro. Yeah, bro.
0: Yeah, now, with that said, there's kind of an old-school 20-year-old charm to just a straight-up action comic with lethal, lethal violence.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, it reminds me of most of the comics I saw in my 20s from Wild Storm with, you know, Grifter and that kind of hero. That said, in the 90s is when I dropped almost everything yeah. except Vertigo <laughs> comics and I didn't do that in a vacuum.
2: Yeah. Uh, this is this is the, the comic book for everybody who's complaining that comics are changing too much, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah. So in the interest of a comic for everybody, people who are ranting and screaming about all these others, here's a nice, safe book for you. It'll rub all your weird feels from the days of Wizard Magazine. It's and... just
2: mi- missing some pouches and has feet. Oh, there were some pouches. Yeah, that's true. So. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if... If you're really
0: nostalgic for 90s comics, I can see this appealing to you. If you've got teenage male children, I can see this appealing to them. At least Starfire isn't around to horse stuff up like <laughs> in The Outlaws. So I mean it's it's less offensive than it was, but it's still it's it's not a book that I as a 44-year-old guy it didn't appeal to me when I was a 24-year-old guy. I was I was reading Sandman. And it's, Preacher.
2: it's for a particular segment of the population. Yeah, it's, it looked okay.
0: And, and the stuff that made Red Hood and the Outlaws really problematic directly after the New 52 started seems to be excised from it. Yes. Again, based on five, six pages. But, but yeah, it's probably... I'll give it a try just to get the overall impression, but it's probably not one that's going to make my long-term pulls. Yeah. All right, so next one I got in a complete <laughs> diametric 180. Uh, Starfire. Written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor with art by Emanuela Lupacino. Uh, this is in the back of question number two. Yes. So uh, overall, yeah, Starfire uh, wants to leave Red Hood and the Outlaws, which shows that her taste has vastly improved already. Um,
2: well, she's it's it's she's decided that superheroing and and all of that is something that um, is not in her area of interest.
0: Yeah, I, I did think that was a pretty good line. Where it's uh, all I've done since I've arrived here, <laughs> after the new Fifty Two, is uh, is superhero stuff, which I don't think I'm particularly interested in.
2: People have agendas. What is that about?
0: <laughs> yeah, but so yeah, she asks all her friends what she should do and and where she should go because of that. Uh, but since you know her friends include Red Hood and the Outlaws, uh, she really should probably ignore everything they tell her. So she asks Superman. Uh, where she should go to learn about what it means to live like a human and he suggests a place where people are open to different lifestyles and seem to get along harmoniously
2: show a lot of skin yeah well and are orange
0: but sadly since no comic book convention lasts forever (laughs) she decides to go to key west yeah so and it's weird i've said it before on this show i don't have any particular love for starfire that it's not a character I've ever disliked, but it's just sort of one that's that's been there. Yeah. Uh, this characterization, just in these few pages, feels much more like Marv Wolfman's from New Teen Titans than it has at any point since the New Fifty Two.
2: I I agree. I agree. It was it was a much more subtle take on the character than what we had seen under under previous management (laughs) as it were yeah
0: and they really capture in a very short amount of page real estate a character who definitely is not human and isn't driven by human or at least more specifically american human societal norms and prejudices i mean that moment where she asked superman for a hug (laughs) explaining why a hug is a good idea and it will you know the the relationship that it could help build. I and do be- feel
2: that there there are portions of this where they're drawing from the the Teen Titans Go Starfire, because that is something that you would hear on that show.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it's it, it is very much a character who has learned societal norms by rote yes. and is trying to emulate them just based on memory, which is already an improvement from the beginning of Red Hood and the Outlaws, where Clearly she didn't give a shit about human societal norms and just wanted to chuck poon at whoever was wandering by. So it's uh, already, it it feels like a a more thought out character. But yeah, and at least, yeah, she's, she's trying. And I, I like the idea that she, the first thing she does when she gets to Key West is ask the sheriff to help her live there. (laughs) <laughs> because she's an alien. Of course, take me to your leader is going to be the first instinct that you have when you land on Earth. So I just I thought that that was as classic as it gets for that kind of
2: I'm thing. I'm an alien. I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself to the sheriff so that there's no question. <laughs>
0: yep. And, and she's wearing, well, at least a half shirt, which yeah. is better than she did yeah. in a lot of the, the issues after the New 52.
2: And bikini bottoms.
0: Yes. Well, no, she did bikini bottoms. Was it bikini bottoms in this one? It felt more like... I don't know. No, it was well. Shorts? Was... What's the fucking term? It was. I'm lucky. I know. I, I'm lucky. I can order pants. Some
2: sort of, some sort of underwear type thing.
0: Well, her first appearance in Red Hood and the Outlaws, I believe she was flossing her ass or some, <laughs> some goddamn horrible thing. <laughs> but yeah. So th- this one looks interesting. If you're a fan of Starfire, by way of the New Teen Titans. I, I think it's safe to say this is clearly going to appeal to you more than anything you've seen from Starfire in the last three years.
2: Yes, I would I would agree with that.
0: And then I'll, I'll give it a shot. But again, Starfire not a character I've I, I'm around. I'm just curious
2: to see what kind of new Scooby Gang, uh, Palmiotti and Connor are going to build around her. Because in Harley, they've done a really great job coming up with a whole like bunch of world building for her and characters to interact with that are unique to her. Yeah. Uh, so i i I am hopeful about what they'll do here.
0: And I think they've got no choice but to do it. Yeah. We drop her in a new place. It's not interesting unless she's got new people around. So. Right. So yeah, it's this one. I'll give a shot. Yes. We'll We'll see how it plays out. <laughs> uh, next one, diametrically opposed. Uh, Midnighter, written by Steve Orlando. Uh, art by Aco. Uh-huh.
1: Aco. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Anyway,
0: this is in, in Nightwing and Oracle number two. Uh, Midnighter gets a uh, a call in the middle of a personal comfort break. <laughs>
2: um, he was hooking up. Yeah. He was it, hooking up. Getting some. But, <laughs> some was gut.
0: Uh, and he, he got the call to come to Boston, which is kind of cool because the superheroes don't come here. The only one I could think of since the new 52 was iVampire started in Boston. And then it started to fail right out of the gates. So no, get to Gotham, get with somebody, get some place where you can see Batman for Christ's sake.
2: And now I have "Please Come to Boston" the song stuck in my head. And
0: now so do I. <laughs> and you really pissed me off. And you really need to stop doing that. <laughs> Why would you do that to me? Show temp. Show That was the wrong goddamn sound clip.
2: <laughs> it was wrong, and you knew it.
0: Thank you, Christ's sake.
2: Please come to Boston to kick ass.
0: Do you want this to go nuclear? <laughs> I will take this nuclear. Don't. (laughs) See your
2: finger by the Sugar Man cart. You can just stop that right now.
0: (laughs) We'll call this detente, and we will move on. (laughs) So Midnighter comes to Boston, uh, dealing with a team of five people who've stolen a gun that can possess people, apparently. Yes. He shows up. He Talks like Midnighter and fucks everybody up. That's pretty much the the preview that we got.
2: Yeah, but then we it turns out it's not really an uh, it's not really a demon possession thing. It's, it it tags you so that aliens can then come and possess your body, which brings it back to the whole Damonite thing, right? Uh, because this came out of the Wildstorm universe originally, right? Authority and
0: yes, because Authority came from Stormwatch, right? That was what Stormwatch became, right? So, so yeah, I mean, first of all. I was not familiar with, with Steve Orlando in particular, so I Googled him. He wrote something called Undertow for Image. Okay. Looks like this might be his first big DC work. Oh, good for uh, him. Also was not familiar with, with Akko, but, uh, apparently he did some issues, which I just didn't remember from Batman Eternal and Constantine. Oh. Now, if, if you're gonna choose a one world handle, like, like Akko or Prince or so, don't pick one that also <laughs> That also stands for Accountable Care Organization. <laughs> Made it wicked hard for me to Google the brand, Akko. Just saying. <laughs> Let alone figure out how to pronounce it. So, there were parts of this preview I really liked. Uh, it, it had Midnighter acting more like Warren Ellis's Midnighter from Authority than I've seen, probably since at least when Mark Millar was writing Authority. I, I agree. That Just dialogue stuff like, I'm a fighter and I hate you. I will track you across the multiverse and torture you in ways that will test the boundaries of your anatomy.
2: Although that whole speech in the over those two panels also had a very Constantine kind of. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I can also see that.
2: You know who I am, and you know what I can do. <laughs>
0: yeah, but it's Midnighter has not talked that way for a while, and on one hand, it felt like okay, you're clearly trying to ape Warren Ellis, but on yes. the other, I missed that kind of characterization. So I'm okay with it. I want to see where it goes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and and he he's trying to have these big ideas, like yeah, a possession gun that really just paints targets for for aliens and daemonites or, or whatever. Right. Um. So it looks like he's he's trying to get the thing in an old authority kind of characterization. So right. I, I like that.
2: No, it's it's props for for clearly seeming to be familiar with the old school midnighter.
0: Yeah. One thing that, that gets me and bothers, it bothers me only because I've been reading Authority since almost from the beginning. The fact that the character is gay is important, particularly given the time when it came out and the characterization that they give him here where he's clearly just hooked up with somebody. That's absolutely fine. But I think people miss the point about Midnighter's sexuality. And the point is not just that he's gay. But that he was gay for Apollo, because this was Ellis's comment on Batman and Superman. Right. So it was sort of a yeah. Of course these two friends forever. of course they, of course they'd be in love with each other. And I think that's something that people miss. It's not just that the Midnighter is gay. It's that relationship yeah. is important. So to then have it become oh no he's just you know hooking up with this guy and I, I think I got the nod of he hooked up with Warren. <laughs> Even though it doesn't look anything like Warren Ellis, that had to be on purpose.
2: I'm sure it was.
0: But, but I, I think it just sort of misses that characterization point. I, I bring Apollo back around. That's
2: well, and that's the thing. Again, we only have four or five pages to work with. We don't know how that or if that will factor in. Clearly, this writer has done his homework on certain other character beats. Sure. So. But
0: just in that short amount of real estate, that opening scene felt like, you know, shock sexuality, the the way Catwoman one did. <laughs> I mean, of course, you you can see Catwoman fucking Batman, but it felt like you threw it in there for the sake of, ooh look, isn't this shocking that it's and in... You're right. We're going to need more to see how it plays out. But yeah, but yeah, I want to see Apollo back. God damn it.
2: That's right. <laughs> Put the band back together.
0: Exactly. Just do the Authority, for <laughs> Christ's sake, <laughs> do it right. See, the problem is they can't. No, because if they're gonna bring Stormwatch into DC, the idea of the Authority, the idea of the Authority was always was, what if the Justice League went after serious problems? They were basically a world
2: power. Well, and they tried to do the Authority Stormwatch whatever with the new Fifty Two reboot, and it was just wonky. Like you have to have certain people writing it. That are willing to be committed to where it needs to go, and that just didn't happen. But you,
0: you can't go that way in the main DC universe. You can do it in a side universe, but in the main DC universe, if there was a super team that was attacking existing governments and invading countries, you can do that in Stormwatch. you can't do that in a world with Justice League, you'd have them battling the Justice League all the time right having stormwatch be this you know ooh secret long term it's what demon knights eventually became to secretly be out there protecting the universe from hidden threats and nobody knows they're there you can do that but that's not the authority and it was smart that they called it stormwatch instead of the authority right after the new 52 even the even though the book never really hooked yeah but
2: no i i agree i i think it's just—it's one of those things. that's hard for those of us that were fans of it. We'd love to see it come back, but you're right. There are certain constraints that there—it's it, hard to work around except, to do it properly. Except
0: after Convergence, there really aren't. After Convergence and Multiverse, stick the Authority in Earth, Earth three, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Pick an Earth where nothing's going on, for Christ's sake. Because I, I'd love to see old school Authority again. You'll never get Ellis back to write it. No. And it was never as good. Millar did okay. That's about the last thing I can look at from Mark Millar and go, yeah, all right, you sort of continued that pretty well. I'm not sure who you get to do it, but it was never quite the same afterwards. Eh, I've got the ultimate authority in the other room. It's always there on the shelf.
2: Meanwhile, we have Midnighter.
0: Yes, (laughs) we do. And there's there's enough interesting stuff there. I'm definitely going to give that one a shot. Yeah. So move on to not a new book, uh, Green Lantern. Uh, written by Robert Venditti, art by Billy Tan. This is in the back of Adam Two. I
2: enjoyed this preview.
0: Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, and it it gave me more hope for an individual Green Lantern title than I've had for for quite a while. Yeah. So it's we've got Hal Jordan. He's on the run after leaving the Corps and taking responsibility for all the failures that happened, uh, up to and including Godhead. So a, a local cop finds him in a space station and goes to bring him into custody and a fight ensues and Hal takes the, the cop hostage and escapes and he talks to him for a while and then lets him go and that's really about it. Yeah. But it's probably as exciting a concept for Green Lantern as, as I've seen since Darkest Night.
2: And it was the tightest, I think, of the previews.
0: In a lot of ways. because Look, I've maintained for a long time the biggest failing of the Green Lantern movie was that it was focused on his being a space cop yeah. as part of a team and less on him as a solo superhero. And the thing is, I'm not that interested in the Green Lantern core. I like Hal Jordan. I like yeah. Guy Gardner. And yeah, he's a Red Lantern now, but uh, assume for the sake of argument, he's a <laughs> Green Lantern. I like Jon Stewart. I even like Kilowog. How about Nort?
2: No left for Nort?
0: If I'm feeling drunk and nostalgic, okay, I'll, I'll go with Nort. I'll, I'll I'll chuck him a pity one, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't give a hoot in hell about the rest of the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, Mogo, he's a planet. <laughs>
2: he's a planet. Who
0: gives a shit? And it's it. I want a Green Lantern solo superhero book. And we have not had one, arguably, since before the Sinestro Corps War in the, the mid-late 2000s. Right. So with with what Venditti is is doing at least based on this preview is by nature separating Hal from the core. So we've got a solo book. Yep. But it's also the idea of an ex-cop working as a, as a PI or hired muscle. That's classic noir. Yeah, and I like the idea of like a sci-fi Raymond Chandler story.
2: Yeah, that would be you know, pretty cool actually.
0: Philip Marlowe wandering the galaxy, you know, working cases and writing wrongs. Button heads with the space version of the LAPD. <laughs> you know, that seems fun. And a completely different kind of take than I've seen from Green Lantern before. Yeah. And, and it, it makes me more interested in this particular title than I've been in quite a while. So this was a really good preview. Yeah, this is definitely many.
2: one that I, I want to read more of.
0: So yeah, th- this one, Green Lantern's already on my polls, and this means it definitely stays. Yeah. Conversely, Green Arrow... <laughs> 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 um, written by benjamin percy uh art by patrick Zercher. this is in the back of speed force 2 yeah it's got oliver queen on the run and i'll cop right up front i've not been following green arrow it's it's taking a lot of
2: cues from the television show since the tv show has been doing so well which is what i've heard it's been doing
0: and i really like the tv show but ever since the first issue after the new fifty-two, I think I may have bought one or two, and it just hasn't quite hooked me in. So I don't—I don't know what's going on in that book leading up to this. But yeah, it's got Oliver Queen. He, he's on the run in the way that only a twenty-something with a billion dollars can be. He's just chucked everything, and he's motorcycling up to Alaska to find himself and
2: and to have a draught of a very rare whiskey. <laughs>
0: Let me get to that in a second. (laughs) But, yeah, he's up there, and he's just getting himself laid and drinking and fighting, and then he beats up on some dude in a clown mask and decides it's time to go home. Coincidentally, perfectly in time, as ninjas of sorts seem to be attacking Seattle, which I guess is home. So It's all
2: Thea's fault.
0: (laughs) I don't even know if Thea's in this book. No, she was. It was... Because um, it, it looked more like Shadow to me at the end, but it, yes, it looked like Shadow, but it, it was little sister. So on paper, it would be Theo, Thea, yeah, or Theo. That's Huxtable. That's, <laughs>
2: that's very
0: different. I'd love to see Theo Huxtable <laughs> fight crime. I don't know how he would do it. That'd be great. <laughs> but,
2: DC, get on that.
0: <laughs> no, don't don't get on that. Get, Jesus Christ. Look for everybody. <laughs> that's a real tight demographic you're going after. <laughs> me. Me after two beers. That's basically, <laughs> after two beers and a misstep to bring Theo Huxtable
2: into my mind. Theo Huxtable, street cleaner. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. It was wrong and you knew it! Stop it. <laughs> um, this... that...
0: Sorry, go ahead. Well, this was a weird one. I mean, the, the idea of of Oliver Queen chucking it all to go pull tail. You know, it, it's interesting, uh, that little note of, oh, dude, I got 30 different uh
2: tinder accounts tinder
0: accounts you know of different names varying on mine and okay that that gave it a little grounded realism i guess but overall this this one felt all over the place what what were your impressions before i cut you off like a dick
2: no oh, it's it's fine i i felt like i don't know what's happening in the book cuz i haven't really been following it other than you know knowing that it's gone more in the direction to follow the tv show right it it seems as though, however, Oliver in the TV show would not make this decision.
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> you have failed this city. Yeah. Would not then say, and you know what? I'm I going to Alaska. I think it's time to, to vibrate my balls on this Harley for a while and go find myself some dead man booze. I failed this city. It's Miller time. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like... What's uh,
0: That whole sequence <laughs> was really problematic. I, even in Alaska, I can't imagine the local constabulary being okay with a bar with a vat full of dead guy in it. There's, <laughs> there's got to be something resembling a health department, even in towns in Alaska. And the thing is, that's a big fucking vat. It was. So that's a lot of whiskey. Yeah. So, yeah, we're not talking a, a draught of rare whiskey? No, that's that's not twelve year old fucking. No, Beaumar it's like 10, in
2: there. I- 10 high or some shit like that. Uh, yeah, th-
0: that means Oliver Queen drove to Alaska to drink old crow filtered through a dead guy's butthole. <laughs> and whiskey's a solvent, <laughs> so he just pounded an ounce and a half of fecal cholera. <laughs> Jesus Christ! He's not going to live long enough to get past Seattle. That was just <laughs> was like, ugh. No, I've <laughs> I've seen bee whiskey. <laughs> I've seen some weird shit in a whiskey bottle.
2: tell us the story of the bee
0: whiskey. Oh, Jesus Christ. I used to work with this guy who was, uh, he was a a naturalized American citizen, but he was from Vietnam, and he knew that I enjoyed my whiskey. So he said he had something interesting for me to try. I did not try it. (laughs) (laughs) He came in with a Woodford Reserve bottle full of some form of brown liquor about halfway and half of it was full of big dead angry looking fucking (laughs) hornets like as big as the first knuckle of your thumb just these giant angry angry looking (laughs) killer bees he's like hey you want to try this i'm like my mom's allergic to bees this is anaphylaxis in a bottle dude i don't think i should even be near this i'm not sure if i'm allergic or not this is not how I want to go out, clawing at my throat with a stinger stuck in the roof of my mouth yeah. and the taste of what probably was 10 higher old crow that they poured over fucking bees <laughs> in the back of some 7-Eleven in downtown Da Nang. Did he know? <laughs> I'll sign the confession. I'm done. I'm not a fucking hero. You put that bottle away. So yeah, Dead Guy Whiskey, kind of had a problem seeing that. Got it. (laughs) Had a problem believing that. But even beyond that, just in this short number of pages, there were storytelling problems. I mean, we go from the bar to an 18-wheeler to fight a fat guy in a clown mask, and then boom, he decides he's Green Arrow again. But I mean, literally the cut from the bar to the fight, that happens mid-page yeah. So it's my initial thought was, well, they must have cut pieces and parts of the story to to give us a, a preview that goes a certain way, but they would have to have cut a page apart and put it back together, and that doesn't seem really likely. It's possible. Yeah, there was some
2: layout issues that made the uh, action kind of difficult to follow. And yeah, and and not knowing what's going on.
0: Yeah, I don't know what put him on the road, and God knows that the writer doesn't tell us. So I don't know if his decision to run or come back or whatever is justified. I don't know if his decision to return is earned. And and again, you've said it a couple times. This is just a few pages. But there's not enough there for me to be able to make a decision beyond shit's jumping around all over the place. And, ugh, dead guy butthole. All right,
2: for a billionaire, he's got a terrible taste in booze. But, you know, he can afford really excellent health care. <laughs>
0: he's going to fucking need it.
2: <laughs> he's going to need a bowel
0: transplant. <laughs> Yeah, this one, it was it was really all over the place. I'm, I'm not sure about this one. This whiskey tastes earthy. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a barnyard ah. taste. That's butthole. <laughs> you taste a butthole in the whiskey, do you? It's artisanal butthole. Jesus. <laughs> I don't think that could be a title. No. <laughs> all right, so let's move on to the one that at the very least, I think, was the ballsiest of all of them. Okay. Just in the choices that they made. Omega Men.
2: This was interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, written by Tom King. Art by Barnary Begenda. This yeah. is in the back of Batman and Robin number two. This took a lot of stones to write. And I'm not sure how successful it really was. It's basically a few pages of nine panel grid <gasps> that are designed to remind you of a fucking ISIS beheading video Yeah. With the victim being Kyle Rayner. Now, let's start with the positive. Tom King has co-written some issues of Grayson. Yep. Grayson is awesome. So this is a good
2: sign. This is a good sign.
0: I will also say I have absolutely zero history as far as I can remember with the Omega Men. Yep. It's possible I read an issue or two of Green Lantern when I was 10 or 11 or 12 that had them in it. I've got no memory of it. So I can't say for sure whether I've even seen any of these characters before. But it takes some real balls to show your, air quote, heroes aping a fucking terrorist video. Yeah. I mean, it was weird to read. I, mean, I had a very strange reaction to it. It's a, I'm walking into this book almost wanting to watch the protagonist get SEAL Team Sixed. Or yeah. at least Alpha Lantern, something. And they're supposed to be at least the protagonists, if not the heroes of the book. I mean, I applaud the bravery to write it, but it was a weird thing to read.
2: Well, and, and also, as I'm watching this go down, they make a point of saying, you know, White Lantern, Kyle Rayner, so... Does that mean he... I, I remember how most of this played out, but does that mean if he's if he dies, he'll come back? Like... <laughs>
0: I've not been, most of his stuff I think has been in Green Lantern New Guardians, okay. which I've not been reading since, that's another one after the first issue or two. It's like, yeah. But uh, like
2: the White Lantern is supposed to be the opposite to the Black Lantern, so it's.
0: Yeah, but exactly how that works, it's been a long time since I've read Any of Brightest Day. Yeah. And not having kept up on New Guardians, I'm not entirely sure how that works. Okay. So is Kyle Rayner immortal? I don't know. <laughs> He's, he's a superhero. None of them die forever. Right.
2: But he was all like, you know, Carol, I'm going to be a little late.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, which was heartbreaking. Yeah. and it's, Yeah, I, I don't know how to feel about this one. It took a lot of stones to put that together. I'm going to have to buy the first yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just to see how it plays <laughs> out. But, yeah, you've you've got me basically rooting against the title characters right out of the gate. You're going to have to come a long way, right. have it be a faked video, they're trying to draw somebody out.
2: Something. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which which would be a fine story choice, but after dropping these few pages on us and saying, yeah, j- just wait another month or so, that might be a hell of a misdirect. Yeah. It's like, really? You got me in with this? <laughs> yeah. I, that. It was ballsy. I'm having a hard time articulating how weird it made me feel to read, and it's good to be challenged by stuff. So, yeah, you've got me for the first issue. But, man, as a preview for a standard superhero comic, that's not one, yeah. <laughs> not something I've seen similar before. Nope. Any, anything else? I really don't know what else to say about uh, Yeah,
2: movie. I just, I I, I read it. I was like, holy shit, This did he just kill him?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and it's just straight nine-panel grid. Really doesn't change. Dude talking to the camera about religion. And how his people have been. It, it, it's an ISIS video. It is. Yes. I mean, I, I got to give it a shot because anything that can get that kind of reaction out of me it, is worth a day in court. That's worth four bucks to me. Yeah. But we're, man, they're really going to have to follow through on that in a really compelling way. You know, even if it's, you know, and then Superman blasted them to death with heat and vision. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Uh, Detective Comics.
2: That was also interesting in terms of, all right, now you have my attention because it seems like by the end of it, um, Harvey Bullock wants to kill Renee Montoya.
0: Yeah. So well, let's go with, uh, start with the basics uh, written by, it's the same creative team as right now written by Francis Manipool and Brian Bucciolato, art by Francis Manipool. This is in the back of Justice League 2. Yep. So yeah, this one was sort of structured, even just a few pages, There, there's a... Current moment where Bullock is talking to the current Batman, which it it was revealed in in Divergence on Free Comic Book Day. It's Commissioner Gordon. Yes, uh, but there's a, also a flashback with Harvey and Montoya seemingly working with Gordon because they're in a van with a fucking Bat signal on the front right. of it. So either they found someone to pimp their ride, or they're <laughs> on the Bat team. But yeah, they're they're transporting a prisoner. Shit goes sideways. Batman intervenes to save them. Batman goes after the bad guys, and Bullock and Montoya make some interesting interrogation choices. And then, yeah, we cut back to the future with, yeah, Bullock in the context of a six page preview saying, Batman, I need you to help me kill my partner.
2: Yeah. So. So what's going on there?
0: <laughs> this interested me because I have grown to love Gotham Central and I've bemoaned the fact that the TV show Gotham didn't become the sort of cops working in Gotham City with all this madness going on around them that I really was hoping for from that show. This at least has the feeling like we're going to focus on the cops. Batman will be involved, but it's going to be focused on 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 Bullock and Montoya. Which... I think it was Bucciolato said in the Batman panel was going to be the focus. So the combination of that's what it looks like, and I think he was the one who said it. That one's got me really interested. If we can keep that kind of focus, I would, I'm, I would like
2: it. I would like to see it return to that sort of.
0: Yeah, I, I want a Gotham central. I want a cop story in this weird world. It's been done well before, and I've missed it. So I do want to see that.
2: Yeah, but yeah, they've got my attention like right out of the gate. It's like, yay, Bullock and Montoya! Oh. Montoya? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, let's not forget that, and granted, it was within the realm of Convergence, so anything that we've seen last month or this month could go away you know, in a right. second. We've seen Montoya as question again. Yes. It's pure speculation, but all right, let's bring that element into it. I wouldn't mind seeing that.
2: Although so. I felt like that might have been like an Earth 2 story, because in current new 52 that helena is working with grayson
0: yeah that's true it, it was no it wasn't earth 2 it was definitely pre-flashpoint
2: okay but
0: i think it was just pre-flashpoint All
2: yeah, i'll take that yeah okay
0: so yeah th- this one looks pretty good and, and again detective is already on my polls mm-hmm. but uh, this was a good it showed me what I wanted, to, <laughs> what I wanted to see. Yes. As opposed to Omega Men, which what are you showing me?
2: Jesus <laughs> God! I don't think you could show that in public. Put it back in your <laughs> pants. <laughs> they got my dick message. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, another one that looks really interesting. Section eight.
2: Yes. <laughs> what in the hell was? I, I, also, yay Garth Ennis. But
0: yes. <laughs> That written by Garth Ennis, art by John McCray. Uh, this is in the back of Harley Quinn 2. Yeah, it's Section 8 was part of Hitman. Okay. Which is one of those series that was out in the 90s, and I liked the parts that I did read. I've got several of the issues, but it's one where its reprinting schedule has been so weird. Like, I recently looked on Amazon, and you can get it on Kindle. Okay. But that's a non starter to me. I mean, you might as well make it available in Esperanto. I, I don't yeah. have a Kindle and I don't, I don't like digital comics. I'll do it if I have to, but I want the goddamn trades. Right. Even though God knows we don't have any more shelf space in this house. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it was almost comic relief in Hitman. There was this guy, six pack, who drank in Noonan's bar with Tommy Monahan and, uh, Nat, okay. his, his sort of partner in crime. And he was convinced he was a superhero, and he built this superhero team called Section Eight. And I don't, I don't remember all the heroes on it because I've only got maybe one or two issues with those in it. But one of them was the one we saw in this preview: Dog Welder. Dog Welder, <laughs> whose superpower was he would weld dead dogs to your face with an arc welder. Jesus God! So he would also potentially do it to allies or anybody else who was around. It was, <laughs> So, yeah, it's, I definitely, Hitman is one of those, I, I want to get my hands on the whole thing. Yeah, I, I bought, I think, the, I think I have the last two complete arcs and maybe the first one, and I missed a bunch of them in the middle. Because if you were reading comics in the 90s, and you know, I was not making a lot of money at the time, and that was when I was very much so in vertigo. But Hitman was always sort of the red-headed stepchild to Preacher. Preacher got all the attention. I bought Preacher the whole way through, and Hitman was always, uh, yeah, I'm a little short this week. I'm not going to pick it up.
2: Uh, reading this reminded me pleasantly that Ennis can deliver some dark goofiness that... <laughs> oh, yeah. You, know, you see in some of his Punisher run, you see in some of the the Preacher run, but you, know, you spend a lot of time If you read Ennis, you know, dealing with mostly just the dark, straight, serious stuff that you forget (laughs) that he can be like this.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just a wicked sense. You get into his war books, you forget he's even got a sense of humor sometimes. Yeah, But, but, yeah, the big over-the-top stuff. They're like the boys you saw a lot of. Yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to this one.
2: I will be reading this.
0: And I've got to ask the owner of the local comic store if he's got any of those goddamn (laughs) trades stuck in a warehouse somewhere.
2: He will find them for you.
0: Oh, he will. It's one of those, will I pay any price for them? (laughs) Maybe, but... All right, so the last one, which I think is doomed to be one where it's like, ah, this one is not for me. (laughs) Uh, Prez. Yeah. Written by Mark Russell, art by Ben Caldwell. This is in the back of Batgirl 2. It's basically the concept of Prez from the 70s, except instead of, what was his name, Rick Ricard or something. Now it's uh, Beth Ross- Get it, Betsy, Betsy Ross. Yeah, uh, she's Twitter famous. She got elected president on Twitter.
2: They they must have somehow changed all the laws. She's going to be thirty five.
0: <laughs> well, that was always the concept of prez. Is when the voting age went to eighteen. That a constitutional amendment changing the law to make the president could be eighteen. That went into effect, and that's how it happened.
1: Got so it.
0: clearly, they're going with a similar concept, but also. You know, Twitter, who can't stop people from sock puppeting themselves 36 times. And, <laughs> you know, they can somehow manage to get a blue check mark to the rich people, but uh, everybody else, yeah, we'll trust their vote. <laughs> sure. But tell so you, yeah, th- this new president elect uh, on her way to a UN meeting, her plane gets shot down by insurgents of some type. Clearly, it seems like some sort of inside job from people yeah. who don't necessarily want a Twitter famous fucking 19 year old socialite to be president. Did I shoot the president though? I don't think you did.
2: It's a fake president. I don't need the secret service fucking coming here. I'm talking about a story. Um I somebody had it's clearly like, you know, people who are doing drone work um hmm. and there's some sort of conceit that it's been programmed in such a way that they can't see what they're shooting at because do you want to see a bunch of dead bodies before you go home for Thanksgiving? No, you don't. So they look like turkeys. (laughs) I spent four
0: hours on watchdogs blowing heads off yesterday. And trust me, the 17 year old kid does not give a shit.
2: Yeah. you, but they had to have some sort of conceit to explain if, if anything, why they didn't realize that they were shooting at the president-elect. Well, of course. But
0: if anything, fucking seventeen is a what's what's the cheat code for more gibbs <laughs> and more giblets? Show me brains. <laughs> but yeah, it works as a story point to make them so that they're shooting at the president. It's you know, look, this is a book about a fucking nineteen-year-old. I counted the words. Her ninth printed word was "duh." <laughs> it's probably not going to be a thing that I'm interested in. You're probably not writing for me at no. that point. When you and, show the uh, you show the president of the United States going, "I want Thai food. Take me to Thailand. Fuck you, man."
2: Can can we also talk about the the presence of a a particular hackers collective that makes an appearance in this
0: it took brass balls or stone stupidity to put anonymous in this (laughs) it just it did whenever anybody references anonymous even warren ellis who'll reference any goddamn thing it's always some kind of pastiche or everything sort of hidden behind a couple layers of you know that's what we're talking about but you know also uh, just in case enough plausible deniability because most people do not want the attention of anonymous
2: uh, and and it also breaks the cardinal rule somehow. She she has this sat phone. I have a sat phone. Uh, I'm gonna call it my sat phone. Um, <laughs> like who's had a phone like that since like Zach on Saved by the Bell? <laughs> but
0: to, to be fair, satellite phones require a different uh, antenna apparatus, and they do tend to be bigger. And second, if you use that voice again, I'm breaking out the sugar man. Clip. <laughs> we are back to mutually assured destruction. That was a terrible sound in my head. <laughs>
2: In any event, she, she makes a phone call while all the world's going to shit around her and uh, apparently gets a hold of Anonymous, who then go and hack the drones so that they're not shooting at her anymore, but are shooting at each other. And I'm sorry, isn't the first cardinal rule, and I don't pretend to know anything, I don't. they're not your personal army?
0: Well, that's always been one of the things that they've said.
2: Okay, so nobody should be calling anybody up and going, hi, can you hack this for me? Nobody should be calling anybody. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I've been in a lot of places on the internet. Never found Anonymous's phone number. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be anywhere. Yeah, so it. So in any event, and, and just to call attention to yourself, potentially in front, because yeah, they they have the V for Vendetta Guy Fox masks. Right. It's clearly, yep, this is the Anonymous yes, is. you've done seen on TV. Yeah. Yeah, either, either this writer Mark Russell has a surplus of courage. <laughs> Or he's a member of LifeLock who's never sent a dick pic in his life. He's got nothing <laughs> that can be uncovered. Now, the one thing that I'll, I'll try to give the benefit of the doubt on this, there's clearly a sense of rip from the headlines that Russell's going for. You've got drone combat. You've got anonymous. You've yep. got social media. You've got ridiculous fucking modern affinity for Thai food. It's fucking noodles, sprouts, and peanuts, people. Settle the fuck down.
2: And palm sugar, and, fish
0: sauce. Yeah, it's not a cheeseburger. It's never going to be my... I don't.
2: Did I mention I made duck fat tortillas today? Yes, you did,
0: and it okay. wasn't Thai food. So thank you. <laughs> so, because of the currentness of it, there's, but it's all sci-fied up, there's some possible potential here especially since to be fair this character Elizabeth Ross does after the whole insipid Ugh, Thai food take me to Thailand, shows some smarts later on in the preview. But yes. It, but yeah that, that early moment really turned me off on on the character. But there's enough potential positive if they can cyberpunk it up somehow, you know, that old max headroom twenty minutes into the yeah, future. Maybe there could be something here.
2: And that's that's the whole thing. Four or five pages. It it could either be showing you the best of what it has and then the rest of it's for shit. Or there's more of it later that they didn't get to that's gonna be that much more awesome. You don't yeah.
0: know. Yeah, but yeah, that first fucking moment I'm like, Yeah, shoot her down. Die, President Kardashian, die <laughs> but that one i'll try to give the benefit of the doubt i will give it a try there's enough potential elements that if you do it right could turn into a story that i like yeah but again it doesn't have to be now if it doesn't work if it doesn't work that means it doesn't work for me and that's okay yes it is so that i think yeah that's all the the previews uh we may talk about the ones next week We may not. We'll see how it goes. See how the week goes. How are we doing on time?
2: Uh, About an hour and five minutes.
0: Okay. So I want to talk about our one book this week, kind of the book that I think we have to talk about. Uh, Secret Wars, number one. Uh, It has started. It started. May God have. It started. Some things have all ended. Written by Jonathan Hickman. Uh, Art by uh, Assad Ribic. I've never known how to pronounce that. kind of parents would name their kid that? This is the end. This is the end. I'm not gonna sing. Nobody deserves that
2: i'm I'm not gonna say anything about songs last time I did. you nearly sugar maned me
0: uh, it's right there. It's in red, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've had two years of universe upon universe upon universe dying in new Avengers, and now we're just down to the six one six and the ultimate universe, and each sides reads richard reads Richards. Read Richards's. The Reed Richards for each side. Sure, fine. Grammar it up for me. I just did. <laughs> uh, they're putting their own awful, selfish, terrible plan in place to save their own world.
2: Yeah. All right. So with with two universes facing destruction. Jonathan Hickman takes this opportunity to to double down on Reed Richards being a dick. Yeah. So yeah, I can't go out like this. No, no, I have to put my dick up front.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's really what you have to do? (laughs) Always lead with your dick. (laughs) There is something about Jonathan Hickman and Reed Richards, and it started when he was writing in the ultimate universe and just made him this, you know, horrible maker with the city and just out to take over and destroy everything and then when he got the main Fantastic Four title, yep, there's a council of reeds. each and every one of them is a mega maniacal douche yeah, just scumbag, there's only <laughs> one like, good read, and now the good read is a member of the Illuminati and his whole plan to save the world is, fucking. I'm building a ship and saving me and mine <laughs> it's just, oh. if you're lucky, you might get to come with us, but probably not but probably not, yeah, and everybody's triple redundant, so if you say you don't want to go unless you can bring your family, fuck you, you can sit here and die with the universe. What are you, fucking
2: Noah? Jesus! <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's definitely a feeling of that. It's, you know, I'm, I'm saving mine. But, so yeah, I mean, the, the overall, uh, on the Ultimate side, that Reed Richards is telling Ultimate Nick Fury, send everybody over and preemptively attack the six one six. And Reed Richards in the 616 is saying, I'm going to build this life raft and everybody come here and make sure that you're here in time so that we can escape this and is doing nothing to save the world, even though.
2: But not a... you, abom- but but not you, Unicorns, you're an abomination. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's not bring that up. It's not really <laughs> Noah's art. But to be fair, the the concept that there is no stopping this is well worn and has been well explained in New Avengers and Avengers leading up to this. That doesn't necessarily make it right. No. But... So... Yeah, and ultimately when it's all said and done, uh, this book ends with an epitaph. Yeah. the Marvel Universe 1961 to 2015, Ultimate Universe
2: 2000 to 2015. Neither universe survived. So... I did enjoy the sequence where Wilson Fisk invites all of his criminal buddies to come get a drink with him and then Frank Castle shows up.
0: Yeah. There, <laughs> there were a couple of scenes of really much needed humor in this. And yeah, that was one. Frank Castle shows up at the bar and says, yeah, they say we're all going to die and you can't take it with you so what am I going to do with all these bullets?
2: It's like that, the most human thing that Hickman's ever written. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, but also Rocket calling ultimate iron man Eh, i'm a red and gold giant tool please shoot me out of the sky (laughs) yeah so there were a few moments of humor and this really desperately needed it now this is only the first part of secret wars we know we're gonna meet all the old favorite characters as we are in convergence Mm -hmm.
2: hickman even pokes fun at the fact that the book is four dollars almost five dollars Because there's a moment where um, (laughs) Groot says, I am Groot. And then Rocket says, yeah, I remember when comic books were a dollar. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I didn't pick up on that as a a rep, but yeah, you're absolutely right. He was probably riffing on it was a $5 book. Yeah. A $5 book that opened with a fucking ad. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, we know this is not really the end of the Marvel Universe. But this just felt like such a joyless, destructive, anti-heroic book to me. Now, on last week's show, Benari and I argued about Man of Steel. And his argument about why, well, frankly, it's an abomination as far as he's <laughs> concerned, is that it was no fun. People just died for no reason. Superman didn't act like a hero. And this book has that in fucking spades. I agree. You know, the, the ultimates and the ultimate heroes are making a preemptive attack on the 616. And yeah, 616 Reed, rounding up people to escape. He he has, not even effectively, he has implicitly given up on saving the world. He's just going to let it... The guy who stopped Galactus. Yeah. He's just making a fucking life raft and letting everybody he hasn't hand-chosen die. And we see a handful of old heroes die, and we know it's... We know it's temporary. We know everybody's going to come back in Battle World. You can just whack people at the end of the universe when you know you're going to rebuild it afterwards. But you know, last week Joss Whedon took no end of shit for making Black Widow a prisoner in Age of Ultron. What the fuck are they going to say about Hickman, who fucking killed her? Yeah. A page before he killed Rocket Raccoon. Right. Now you want to talk current audience fucking favorites? You're digging some graves you probably shouldn't do yeah, that, buddy. Yeah,
2: a certain, certain level of, of tone deaf.
0: <laughs> I mean, give me some additional... I don't want to completely monopolize this conversation. I'll rant about this. And the thing is, again, it, it's part one. I don't want to rant, this is terrible, this is awful, but I don't think it's a good start. And I don't think it correctly categorizes what the Marvel Universe has been about for as long as it's been around. So, but
2: Well, I just have to wonder, like, to what degree do they realize that some of their storylines have just gotten out of control and need to be trimmed back, that they have to set fire to both Marvel universes and salt the earth to this degree? I don't,
0: I honestly don't think it was a, Oh, we have to trim everything down. I think it was, you know, they talked about it at C2E2. It's a, we've known this is coming for years. They've known it's been coming. If you work out on the calendar They've known it's been coming since the new fifty-two got a ton of press and yeah. did DC beat Marvel
2: for a while. I just it seems awful bleak. I just I I could have gone a long and, and fruitful time without ever seeing Cyclops get anywhere near the Phoenix Force again. Oh Jesus, yeah. Um <laughs> like like oh look, it's Cyclops. Oh, Phoenix Force, yay. What a bunch of a holes. Yeah, we don't need that. Yeah, <laughs> I liked Storm and Thor's scenes in this. Uh, they they both have that sort of ringing imperial tone to their speech. so I thought they 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 paired well with one another.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can see that.
2: Yeah, it it just seemed like on on the mar um, the Ultimate Universe side, like there was just a lot of a lot of unnecessary unheroic behavior happening but you're also not supposed to think of reed richards in that universe as being anything other than um a dick uh, yeah i guess where i would be surprised is why wasn't fury relying on his own brain more and less on dick reed well because
0: ultimately <laughs> i suck <laughs> that ultimately for hickman to tell his story He has to kill these universes. Yeah. He has set it up so that there was no escape. But the problem is he set it up so that key people have also decided there's no escape and acted in a way that is just not heroic. Well,
2: that's just it. When you start to shoehorn characters into behaving out of character in order to tell your story, that's where it starts to fall down. Well,
0: I... I could make the argument that he's not doing that. He set up an impossible situation, and over the course of a year or so, showed that, okay, they have to deal with the, they had to Kobayashi Maru it. You <laughs> yeah. can't get out of it. But the problem with that is it makes everyone look really self interested and not heroic. I compare it in my head to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. Which is as close a story to this as you're going to find. Yeah. It's a flat-out collapse of a multiverse. It's just about apples to apples. Pretty much. And in Crisis, yeah, the multiverse died, but at no point in that entire 12 issues did anyone give up. You know, except for Pariah, but and that guy went fetal if the breeze blew the wrong
2: way. <laughs> True.
0: But. You know, he was so sensitive. He made Kurt Cobain look like a guy who can only get a boner stomping on squirrels. (laughs) Parai was a wuss. He was there to be the wimp. But everybody else, nobody quit. Yeah, and we had huge character moments in that story of heroes giving their lives to try and save the multiverse. It turned out they were doomed in their attempt, but they died saving it.
2: Trying to save the multiverse. Whereas all of the characters in these stories are self-involved to the point of they just want to save their own universe and fuck that other universe, and then they only want to save the lives of the microcosms within their universe that matter to them. And that is, that's where you have just the anti, the opposite of hero- heroism.
0: Yeah, and I, I will still try and play devil's advocate and maintain that Hickman showed, over time, the efforts becoming more and more desperate. You know, Starting with, we're not going to destroy any universes. We're going to try to deflect them. We'll try the Infinity Gauntlet. Shit, that only worked once. Okay, now we have to try and make decisions to destroy universes. It's tearing the Illuminati apart down to the point where, fine, it's Namor going to the Cabal, and they're just nuking universes left and right. Yeah. So he did show there was consequences over time. I'm just saying that's a... a it's an interesting position to put superheroes in if you want to see how superheroes act when they've given up hope, and that's not necessarily the kind of story I want. And you don't have to have a story like this with everybody reduced to their basest instinct of "I'm saving me."
2: Well, that's just it. it, it it's because it was everybody. It'd be one thing if it was like you might expect that out of Namor. Yes. You might expect that out of out of Dick Reed Richards. Like- yes.
0: Totally would expect that out of Dick Reed Richards,
2: but you wouldn't necessarily expect that out of Iron Man or Nick Fury, or <laughs> yeah. And and that's where I have a problem. It's you're forcing all of the characters into making choices that they might not necessarily have made, and it f- feels contrived.
0: Yeah, I certainly don't think Spider Man would say, "Yeah, get me on the life raft." Not to be fair this showed a force just grabbing Spider-Man and pulling him on it. Yeah. But, I mean, this is this... We're talking about the Spider-Man who sold his soul to the devil to buy his Aunt May an extra right. feeble few years of elderly life. Right. He certainly would not say, oh, yeah, I'll just chill on this raft while everything's destroyed.
2: And honestly, the only character who really rang true for me was, was Punisher because he followed... He followed mission until the end. He was on point and on mission to the end.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it was. This is what I do, and it doesn't matter that this is all happening, right? And I could easily see Frank saying, uh, "Look, I'm street level. They've probably got it, but just in case they don't, this is a g- either whether they whether they have it fixed or not, this is a golden opportunity, and this is what I do. I'm not gonna give it up. Yeah, yeah, to, to see. You know, these heroes just die for no fucking reason. Black Widow is, is in a Quinjet that explodes. Yeah. Rockets gunned down in the back. <laughs> the invisible woman dies trying to save her children. Her, her children. Right. Nobody else's fucking children. You know, and look at Crisis on Infinite Earth where the Flash dies just to buy the multiverse more time. Supergirl is beaten to death. In hand-to-hand combat yep. with the anti-monitor to give other heroes a chance to knock down his latest way to destroy the multiverse. And in the end, they fail. The multiverse is destroyed. Right. It's as bleak a story as this one. It in no way feels like it because they never stop trying. Right.
2: No, Whereas, you, you, you're absolutely point on with this.
0: Whereas if you pick up Secret Wars and you have not been reading New Avengers, I know you've not been reading New Avengers. Maybe an issue or two here or there. Yeah, it's you've got heroes turning tail and running or attacking their counterparts on other Earths to save their own ass. And it just it feels it's a bummer, man.
2: Well, it's it's not you. You read these comics to hopefully you know be inspired by acts of heroism. Those aren't happening.
0: <laughs> and. Not every book needs to... We just talked about a book that the first six pages of it looked like a fucking Al-Qaeda video. Yeah. Not every book has to be, yay, raw, everybody wins in the end. This has just been reduced to such a desperate point where, yeah, the Ultimates are regressors, the 616ers are just trying to save their own ass, and Joe Blow everywhere takes it in the shitter. Yeah. All the superheroes decide what we have to do is more important than the guy in the street, and that's not a superhero story. And I can forgive a certain amount of it from Man of Steel for the reasons I told Benari. It's a guy who's not trained, he's in this impossible situation, somehow gets through it, and now has a chance to redeem himself. At the end of this issue, the fucking universe is gone. Right. What are you fucking redeeming? You've given up.
2: Feels like the writer gave up.
0: I'd say, I don't think so. I think, <laughs> I, think I legitimately think... Kobayashi Maru is probably the best example. He probably said two years ago or three years ago, it would be interesting to see what Marvel superheroes do when they can't win. And what we see isn't any fun.
2: No. But it doesn't make me feel inclined to want to continue to follow their stories if they can't continue to be heroic. In the
0: face of all odds. Well, the main thing going for this right now is I want to see what version of the Marvel Universe comes out on the other side of this. Right. You know, but otherwise, this is yeah, just relentlessly depressing. Valeria Richards, a few months ago in... I forget it was Avengers, a new Avengers, told her father, you can't win, you need to find a way to not lose. And the way to not lose is apparently, yeah, just abandon everybody and save you, save yourself. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I don't know. I I I'll, I'll give it another couple of issues, but it's not really doing a hell of a lot for me. And
0: and look at this compared to Convergence. Convergence is smaller. It was clearly thrown together more quickly for completely different reasons. But but there's more heart and heroism. Nobody's been killed. Yeah. As these cities battle, they generally find a way to defeat them without
2: defeating to the point where they have to be destroyed. The Harley Quinn-Captain-Carrot Convergence book this week was hysterical. Yeah. Um, And it was a joy to see Harley back in the old outfit, first of all. Yep. And back to there were moments where her character is talked about by other characters, so you have that whole, like, um, m- when we were talking about the Punisher, like, X number of weeks ago, like, how, how Rucka's story was really cool because it was told through the eyes of the people he affects. Yes. So there's there's a good chunk of, of time in this Harley book where her story is told through the eyes of the roommate or whatever it is that she's living with. Yeah. <laughs> who apparently she, she used to terrorize until he got to know her as a human being outside of the costume. Yep. And in the end, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> we just spoiled Secret Wars number one. Yeah. So. Where she she gives Captain Carrot a carrot. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then they're eating, and she talks about, like, oh, yeah, my friend Ivy gave me immunity to all poisons. <laughs> and- <laughs>
0: look on Captain Carrot's face.
2: And then you don't see him, but it's implied that she's given him a poisoned carrot (laughs) and that's how she wins her battle.
0: (laughs) Yeah, true. Alright, so there's one fatality potentially, but...
2: But but just the way that they went about telling the whole story, you know, at the end of the day it wasn't, you know, through complete psychosis, although I suppose you could say giving um, poison to another character would be Psychotic um <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh just a scooch but it was just it was st- it was still fun, um and it was still a a case of both characters were in it to win it to the end of the story yes and and it it was a satisfying ending, <laughs> yeah, and I don't wanna you can't the same way we can't
0: bury any of the stories based on the preview. We can't bury Secret Wars based on the first issue. There's a lot of story that's coming. Some kind of Marvel Universe is going to come out on the back side of this. Yep, there will be. And it could wind up being completely satisfying. But just based on the first issue, this is... The superheroes lost. And they not only lost, they abandoned humanity to save their own asses. If you look at this the right way... This is a story not about superheroes, but classic Nietzschean uber-mention elevating yeah. themselves above us, leaving us to our fate like we were fucking cattle. They, and they, that's a bummer in a fucking superhero comic. They walked off the job. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it could turn out completely satisfying. But it's a hell of a beginning. And... I just keep thinking there are people out there who scream. I've always said I have a soft spot for identity crisis. Yes. There are people who scream. That's the beginning of the darkening of the DC universe. It's a terrible story. It's the worst story in human history. And some people who say that are going to look at this first issue of Secret Wars and go, oh, this is an intriguing beginning of something that could be. No, this is just as goddamn depressing as Sue Dibney being raped and murdered. Yeah. And I'll admit that's depressing An Identity Crisis. I personally think the overall story turned into one worth reading, despite being a bummer all the way through it. This may turn out this way, but man it's a beginning Hickman's it's like,
2: making you work for it and and if my initial it, i i' say my if a reader's initial reaction is, I don't know, I can see this all the way through. I'll just wait till you're done, and I'll come back after you've rebuilt the world, yeah, <laughs> which is kind of how I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beginning to think
0: that Ike Mutter didn't have Fantastic Four canceled because of the movie. It's because by the end of this, I don't care what version of Reed Richards you got. I want to stomp his fucking balls off.
2: <laughs> I have a tortilla press that could help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued by your position.
0: <laughs> Would like to subscribe to your newsletter. Fuck Reed Richards. Show them. Show <laughs> So, yeah, I came out of this book just feeling kind of gobsmacked, and it's it was really, Christ, a lot of people with powers, I didn't see a fucking superhero anywhere in this book.
2: Yeah, really.
0: And I'll, I'll withhold judgment. Like I said, I've already told my local comic store owner, give me all of them. Show me everything redeeming about it. Show me where it's going. Show me it leads to a Marvel Universe that's worth reading about. Because this Marvel Universe, uh, fuck it. Yeah. Hate to end on a bummer, kids, but <laughs> it was the biggest book of the week. And... Uh, uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Anything else about Secret Wars? Or, or we should probably wrap it up because we're yeah. running
2: late. I... Yeah. I, I just... It was a stone bummer to read. I, I, I hope that in their grand scheme of things... Um, there are some redeeming qualities in the next issues, but I, there's just a lot to to get past there. This may be one of those stories that ends up working out better ultimately in whatever trade it finds itself in.
0: It's possible.
2: But there's there's a lot going on here where I'm almost... It's almost like when they were doing Final Crisis where I just sort of gave up. I'm like, yeah, nah, Batman has a gun. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: I've said over and over again, and I've written in reviews back when we were more of a, a written site, that I've always found Jonathan Hickman's writing kind of bloodless in the sense that he's always seemed more interested in plot than characterization. In which case, he's created a great Kobayashi Maru plot for the Marvel Universe, the problem is, in order to get to that plot, people need to work in a way and act in a way that fits into it. Right. And this is potentially a classic example of that.
2: No, it's it's not potentially. I think it is.
0: Yeah. Spider-Man sitting silently on a life raft as his world is destroyed as opposed to fighting to his last breath. The Spider-Man who says, no one dies on my watch. Yeah. That's right there. Okay, you got a real problem with your making these characters do things to get to the end of the world. I agree. So.
2: I don't think he can say it much more eloquently than that.
0: So we'll see how it plays out. But you want a nihilistic hero? This is the only one you need. You want to talk to God? Let's go see him together. I've got nothing better to do. That'll do. (laughs) All right, so yeah, we're we're running wicked late today, so I think we need to wrap the show up. Okay, we will be back to more of a normal set of topics, and hell, Secret Wars two is out next week. We'll see if it starts to redeem itself that quickly. We'll see. But in the meantime, not sure how you found this episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com dot com. You can email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail dot com. We are on Facebook. We don't do a Ton with that, but we can certainly get messages through it. You can find a link to our Facebook page on our website. We are on Tumblr, crisis on infinite midlives. com We're on Twitter. We sure are. <laughs>
2: what, what's that? Uh, what's that? Handle again? Infinite midlife.
0: At infinite midlife on Twitter. Uh, we are on iTunes. If you found the show through here, do us a favor, shoot us a review, uh, give us a rating. It helps people find the show. And besides, we like hearing from listeners. It's we fun. do. Uh, Thank you we-
2: to the nice person who left us a, a message on um, the Comics Podcast Network, of uh, which we are proud members. Indeed. Did I miss
0: anything? Oh, You can uh, find us on TuneIn Radio. Yeah. Uh, anyplace else? Anything I missed?
2: I think that pretty much is it right now.
0: All right. So I think that will do it. This has been Episode 70 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. Now I need another goddamn beer. <laughs> Just to, just to get the taste of superheroes acting like dicks out of my mouth. (laughs) Wait, I just said dicks out of my mouth. Okay, cut.